God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you. This Epiphany celebration and the celebration of Jesus' baptism. We pray. Oh Lord, as we celebrate your baptism and what it means that the Epiphany occurred, bless us, oh Lord, with rejoicing in our hearts as we bring our gold, our frankincense, and our myrrh to you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Well, it's kind of a double feature today, as Pastor Don mentioned. The tree's still up, and that's good because we're, yesterday was the epiphany. The word epiphany means manifestation or the light. The light, the star that led the wise men to Jesus, who is the light of the world. The Christmas tree reminds us of the light. And also the, the Sunday after the epiphany, which comes right the day after the epiphany, and this happened to be this year, is when the church acknowledges the baptism of Jesus. On your bulletin cover... Take a look at it for a moment. Pictures depict what we're celebrating today. The epiphany, the wise men coming from the east, and the baptism of Jesus when God speaks from the heavens, as you heard in the gospel lesson today. So we'll combine these two to look at what this means for us 2,000 years after this happened. Now those wise men... We don't know how many there were. You know, the Christmas cards show three because there were three gifts, but that is not the case. Necessarily, it might have been 20, 30, who knows. And they certainly didn't come without some kind of a military escort or something to protect them because they were carrying precious stuff. So there's probably a whole big group. As Isaiah talks about a lot of camels and a lot of people coming. And then Jesus starts his ministry with the blessing of the Father in heaven as the Spirit descends upon him. Now, as all, the scripture lessons all kind of tie this together for a moment. But the three gifts where we want to center today. What are the three gifts that wise men brought? What was the first one? Gold, Gold frankincense, myrrh. What do those mean for us today? Why those gifts? Why would they bring those? I mean, you know, why not bring him a new camel? from the east. He could have rode around in Jerusalem on a camel. If they didn't bring a camel, I'd be getting, I'd be getting a new car today for somebody. Maybe a boat to go fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Because the disciples, they left their boats and they didn't have any boats left, so maybe a boat would have been nice. Or some nice clothes. Or some nice you know, dinnerware or something. Why did they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Well, we'll look into that in a few minutes. But first, I'd like you to go to the Old Testament reading on page 6. Isaiah ties this in, or Matthew ties it in with his gospel lesson. But notice the first verse, page 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The light has come. Now, Isaiah's making a prophecy that Israel will receive the blessings. They're going to go into exile in Babylon, but then eventually there will be praise to the Israelites and a kingdom will come, which is really fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now if you go to the top of the page on verse 6, a multitude of camels shall cover you and young camels of Midian and Ephra and from Sheba shall come. They will bring, notice the prophecy, gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Okay, that happens. We'll see that eventually. But notice what Paul says next in the epistle lesson. 
Paul says in verse 6, the last verse in the first paragraph, read verse 6 with me, if you will. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Wow. See, Paul says, he refers back, these wise men from the east were Gentiles, like you and me. Jesus came for the whole world, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. And so Paul is saying, wow, these are the Gentiles, you and me too, are heirs with Jesus Christ through the gospel, the good news. And notice he says a couple lines down, I'm here to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. God's riches are unsearchable. We can't even begin to mine them all because they're so wonderful. Now if you turn the page to the gospel lesson for today, interesting dynamic takes place here. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and wise men came from the east. Well, that's, if you go look in the east on the map, you'll find, if you went looked west, you'd see the Mediterranean Sea. They came from the east. If you would notice, if you'll see that, that takes you back to Iraq and Iran, present-day countries which in those days were Babylon and Persia. And they came from the east. They probably came from Babylon or Iraq or, or Persia, somewhere in that area. Long distance, several hundred miles or more, number of days to make the journey. And they come into Jerusalem. Now they would expect the people to be excited because the king is in there, the newborn king. So they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And they expect the people to be all excited and going to see the king. And nobody knows what a disappointment it must have been for those wise men. What's wrong with these people? Even the church people didn't know. Ah, maybe that's something about church people today. Do we know who we really are worshiping? What we are about? He says, he says where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star. Now, this was not some big bright light that everybody would see. It was a kind of a configuration of planets or whatever. We know something that did occur back then. And these, were, these wise men were astrologists. They were not kings. Like the hymn, We Three Kings says, it's not king. They were not kings. They were astrologists or wise men who lived in the court of the king, no doubt, and gave him information based on the stars. And they knew because the Jews had been in their captivity 500 years before and had told about the prophecies. And so they were looking for this king of Israel, watching the stars, and they saw it. And the star configuration pointed that there was something going on in Israel. And so we've seen his star. And so where is he? We want to worship him. And notice that they said why they came. They came to worship him. All those miles and all that distance and all those weeks of travel to worship him. Now, King Herod, do you think you get excited about this and be happy? But no, he's all troubled and so is Jerusalem. And all he, the chief priests, you think now, they would have known better. They should know their scripture. But when he asked, oh, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike and Beth uh, said something about Bethlehem and Judea. So Herod told the wise men, go to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem's only a couple miles down the road, a little suburb of, of Jerusalem. And so they go down and they leave. And you would think that they thought, why aren't these people following us? Why aren't they all rushing to see this king? Why aren't the church people coming? Where's the scribes and the, and the, and the chief priests? Why aren't they coming with us? They didn't. They stayed in Jerusalem. They weren't interested. What's the matter with them? These are the church people of the day. Does that say anything about maybe church people today? Maybe, I don't know. 
That's kind of sad. Well, anyway, that wise men went down, and it says, when they got to the house, the star was shining. I imagine that was the angel shining right over the doorway or something. They saw the light right there, and they knew which house it was. And notice, they had great joy. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and going into the house, the first thing they did was what? They fell down and worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. Notice when they came to Jerusalem, they says, we've come to worship him. They fell down. They just didn't kneel down and give a knee to him. They gave him their whole body. They laid probably flat, prostrated themselves and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him, praising him because they knew this was someone special. And they come from the east, many miles and many days, mics. And then they opened their treasures. They gave him those three gifts. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, of course, they left, you know the story, by a dream, not to go back and tell Herod right away, so then they left and went a different route back. So now, why these three gifts? Why would you bring these three gifts to Jesus? Well, it's interesting to note that these valuable items were standard gifts that were given in that day to honor kings or a deity, the God you worshipped. You offer them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So it was nothing new, but it was something you offered to kings or to the deity that you were worshipping. And that's why Isaiah, even in the Old Testament prophecy, said they will bring gold and frankincense. You see, these three items are symbols of worship. When you worship God, these three symbols are part of who we are in our worship. That Jesus is set apart for us, for our salvation. And that comes out in the, in the baptism of Jesus. When the voice from heaven says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus starts on his mission to preach, teach, suffer and die for you and me that we might live in heaven forever with him. So these are symbols of worship. Let's take a closer look at them then. What does it mean if you bring your gold and your frankincense and your myrrh today? What's it mean when you come up here, to the altar, up here to the altar and take the body and blood of Christ today? Are you going to bring your gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Are you going to get excited about what you're bringing to Jesus and why you're bringing it? I hope you are, because it's exciting. Take gold. What does gold symbolize in this presentation of the wise men? Obviously, gold is precious. If you had some gold bars in your pocketbook right now, you'd be pretty wealthy, wouldn't you? Or if you had even a few ounces, you'd be pretty wealthy if you had some in your pocket right now. Gold is valuable, still is, all these years later. It's precious. But it's also the symbol of divinity. In those days, you gave your God gold, if you recognized him. Pagans made idols from gold. Even the Israelites did that out in the wilderness. Remember when they waiting for Moses to come down and didn't come down? They made a golden calf, right? The calf was gold. Their idol. The Ark of the Covenant, when it was made and put in the temple, what was it covered with? Gold. 
the Old Testament tells us. It was overlaid with gold, a symbol of divinity. You give God the best. You covered the Ark of the Covenant with gold. And now here we got God coming in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Wealth, prosperity, desirable. You can't buy your salvation because Jesus is the salvation, more valuable than gold. But the gold signifies his kingship. Today when you come to worship and the morning when you get up and every day when you get up, you worship the king. You acknowledge him. That's giving of your gold. He's divinity. Do you believe that Jesus is divine? That he is the son of God who came to save us from our sins? Are you willing to go and worship him? Make this journey to worship? The wise men came miles and days to worship him. They brought him gold, symbolizing his divinity. When we come here today, we acknowledge his divinity. We confess it in the creeds today. We believe in God the Father Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church. They brought frankincense. Now frankincense is an interesting product. It comes from that area back in the east, in the Arabia. Frankincense, maybe you've probably smelled it. Maybe you've even burned some in your house. You can buy it in certain stores and you can burn it and it smells wonderful. It's a white gum that makes a sweet smell, especially when you burn it. It comes from a tree. You cut into the bark and it's like sap coming out and, and uh, you collect it, people did. And so it's a sweet smell, a symbol of holiness and righteousness. The people in the Old Testament burned incense in the temple, so the smell went up to God, they said, and God could smell it, and he says, I want to listen to those people's prayers. It was a sign for the people to lift their prayers up in sweetness to God, and God would listen and hear. A fragrance. And so frankincense became a symbol of holiness and righteousness. Those are symbols of Jesus. That he's holy, he's righteous, he came to save us. He came to give his life for you and me that we might live eternally with him in heaven. Interesting that frankincense was also a medicinal thing. People chewed it and ate it to help, believe it or not, their arthritis. It relieved pain. They knew that even back in those days. So if you've got arthritis, maybe you want to try some frankincense chews. It's evidently worked. It works. But the frankincense, when you bring your frankincense, you're bringing the symbolism of holiness and righteousness of, your, of Jesus Christ. And then there's myrrh. Now, Jesus was offered myrrh at the cross and a sponge that said is hyssop and myrrh. And what's um, myrrh? Well, it's also a perfume it's also obtained from trees in the Arabian area. It's a spice. Primarily it was used in those days to embalm people, to wrap body, dead bodies in myrrh so they wouldn't stink so bad before they buried them in the grave. So they wrapped them in myrrh, a perfume type of thing, an embalming that they used. And so the myrrh became a symbol of suffering, death. And Jesus would suffer and die for us. 
So the myrrh pointed to his death, to his purpose in his ministry, why he came. Why was there an epiphany? Why do we have a Christmas tree? Why do we celebrate Christmas and epiphany? Epiphany was the first Christmas, by the way, in the early church. In the early church, Christmas was not celebrated first. Epiphany was the celebration of the wise men coming because it was for the Gentiles. It was for the whole Christian church, not just for the Jews. And so the church celebrated Epiphany before they celebrated Christmas, and Christmas then was established later and um, celebrated by all Christians too. So these gold, frankincense, and myrrh become symbols of worship. That Jesus has been set apart for our salvation. For you to be saved, to be able to go to heaven, to live with him in eternity. You're going to die someday, physically here. Where are you going to go? What's going to happen? You're just going to decompose and do nothing? Will you be in a bad place or a good place? Well, Jesus came to pay for our sins, to restore us to God, that we might live with him in perfect health, perfect love, and be in his presence, in his kingdom. He came to establish a kingdom. And the wise men came and said, where is he born king of the Jews? We've seen his star. What's the matter with you people? Aren't you excited? Can't you see that they must have felt terrible? A, a, a missing thing? What's wrong with these people in Jerusalem? They're not worshiping the king? Well, fortunately today, people still are worshiping the king. Two billion people claim to be Christians today in the world who say we acknowledge Jesus as Savior, Redeemer, and Lord. But there's a lot of people out here in the community who don't. A lot of people driving by our church this morning, going to different places besides church, busy with other activities or things to do. Maybe your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, somebody you know. When you come to the communion table today and stand up here and you receive Christ, think about that. He was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. He came in the flesh, and in his flesh he went to the cross and died for you forgives you your sins, gives you eternal life, and comes to you today in wine and bread and says, take eat, this is my body given for you. Take drink, this is my blood shed for you. What joy, what a light, what a revelation, what an epiphany. We're celebrating epiphany and celebrating the walk of Jesus and holy baptism as he begins his journey traveling to a suffering death and resurrection. So come to the communion table today. Come in and see Jesus as king. Bring your gold. Bring your frankincense. Acknowledge him as righteous and holy. And recognizing him as one who gave his body and blood, his suffering and death for you, the myrrh. And one of the things we do in communion is promise to serve him. One of the things of communion is, am I willing to leave here today and serve him now that he's given me his presence and I've come to worship him? I pray that we all gather today in worship to worship Jesus with our gold, our frankincense, and our myrrh and celebrate the joy of salvation that you and I have that no matter how dark things get, in life. And I see I mentioned that in his thing. There's darkness in all the world. 
And yes, you and I have problems, and you and I have things that go wrong in our life, and in relationships, and in our physical bodies, and so forth. We suffer sickness, and we suffer finally death. But we know that there's victory, that we will get through it, that there is light at the end, because the light has risen, like Isaiah's words, Arise, the light is shining! And the epiphany is the stars in the sky, the angel, the priest, or the uh, uh, wise men come and say, where is he? We've seen the star in the east. So where is he? He's right here among us, isn't he? He's here in the Lord's Supper. He's here in the word of God. He's here in you and me through his Holy Spirit. So rejoice in the good news. Come then, bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all our understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus as you bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to him. Amen.